Welcome back to Around the Wheel with Brett Tax. And today I have Carrie. Carrie is an adventure rider. She rides a 900 Tiger. And like most adventure riders, we all have something to work through and something to improve on. And she asked and said, let's talk about fear today. And so today, that's our topic. All right, Carrie. With every question that's ever posed to me, there always is a story that's behind it. So what's your story? Why don't you give us a little bit of perspective on, on where this is coming from? Sure. Um, well, I think the, the good story to tell you is about a trip we took last summer. We went to Crater Lake down in Oregon to go see the, the big hole in the ground with a lot of water in it. And I'd never been there before. So saw the pictures and thought that'd be a beautiful place to go visit, go check it out. So we set out and headed down that way and uh, started up the road to Crater Lake. Uh, have you ever been there? I have been there uh, several times. So you know the road. Uh, we came in from the north and left from the south uh, to give you perspective. But uh, as we came in, it uh, starts out. Nice, paved, beautiful road through trees, really beautiful, twisty. And then it starts to climb. And then the trees disappear. And you're kind of out above tree line with um, lots of big open sky and drop-offs <laughs> to the right. <laughs> right. And as you can guess, that's where my challenges start. Um, so as we're riding through, I'm really enjoying the ride. The trees disappear. The road starts to, the sky starts to open up, the drop-offs start to get bigger and bigger, and my heart rate increases. And now, are these the, these are the roadside drop-offs you're talking about, like where the road kind of meanders up the mountain? Yes. Or are you right on the edge of the crater? Uh, no, this is just the road up, so is the, you know, how they're, there's not really a edge to the road, it just goes off. <laughs> and there's, there's no guardrail. And there's no and, and you wall. didn't bring your parachute. And I didn't bring my parachute. And uh, yeah, so as we go up, the adrenaline's building, the breathing is getting heavier. There might have been a four-letter mantra I kept muttering as we got higher and higher. Um, and then you start getting up, and it's curving back and forth. The drop-offs are getting sharper. And then you start getting kind of a drop-off on both sides. It's, it's not really visible, but you know that the crater drops away on the other side. And there's a drop-off to your right. And it's big. It's huge. Your rational mind goes, this is absolutely fine. But my irrational mind really started to have problems with it. So as we're climbing, then you start hitting the pull-outs. So there's little pull-out areas where people can park their cars and, and look over. And this was during COVID. So people were looking for things to do. And there were a lot of people. And they weren't doing anything logical. They were stopping in weird spots. They were moving weird. They were running out in traffic. Um, I, I think they call that just regular traffic around Crater Lake. It, probably, yes. For, for me, it was pure unadulterated chaos with drop-offs, so it was great. Um, yeah, from my experience, it seems to be it's always sort of that chaos. It's like going through Yellowstone. You don't expect normal traffic patterns. No, and, uh, and at Yellowstone, it's good because it's flat and low to the ground. And, the buffalo are the only thing that scare me there. So let me let me cut cut a little deeper into the story here. Sure. Your fear is of heights, uh, of the edge on, on both sides. And as those 
those became more apparent or your mind was focused on them on both sides, that affected you. So the question is, did it stop you? I mean, because to me, there's really three types of fear. I mean, every there, there's a lot of different categorizing. And for me, it's reasonable fear, unreasonable fear, and a fatal fear. And reasonable fear is if you fall off a cliff, you'll die. Unreasonable fear is when you think you're going to fall off the cliff and you're not near the cliff and you have a safety. Then fatal fear is when you do things because of fear, you will do things that will kill you. You know, and we see that in motorcycling with uh, people falling off of corners of roads or not using the brakes instead of instead they hit a vehicle and off road. As you know, you were just recently at one of the training camps with me. And all the riders are at different levels of skill and fear, but there are times when riders won't do something and they'll end up getting injured or falling down because of fear, not because of the reality center. And that's that's the fatal fear. So the question I have of you is reasonable fear. Yes, there's cliffs. You should be afraid of those. Fatal fear is petrifying. That's when you can no longer control the fear. Right. Did you get to that point? I did. As we were coming up and into where the pull-offs were, um, I don't remember the name of the one that we ended up pulling off into. There were a lot fewer cars there, but it was an upward grade to a wall, and all you could see beyond the wall was sky. Okay. And so we had to cross traffic to pull into it. Luckily, there was nobody coming down, so that was a non-issue. But we pull into it, and I just barely got into the edge of the parking lot and froze. Um, literally... Frozen a good way because I had the brake and the clutch locked, so I wasn't going anywhere. <laughs> now, when when you were looking at the wall, where you could you you said you could see sky, but you couldn't actually see the cliff. No. So this was in your mind. It was in my mind, correct. And um, and so uh, my other two riding partners rode on up and rode right up to the wall and stopped, and I just started hyperventilating because I started to project my fear for myself onto them. I'm like, they're going to go over the cliff. It was completely right. irrational, but I was so frozen. I just, I don't know how I didn't just lay the bike down and lay there like a log on the ground and be like, I'm just going to die now. And this is, this is a fatal fear. I mean, that you're, you're absolutely correct. This is a, a significant issue. I mean, working through an unreasonable fear is one thing, but, and when I say fatal, it doesn't mean that everything we do will kill us, but it's the same thing where we've lost control of our of our thought where our mind is no longer control of our actions. And this is generally when, when you fall down in the sand, when you fall down in the gravel, uh, during the, the camp we were just at, we had a rider who was returning to camp and fell down on the straight road coming to camp because they had put out a lot of gravel. As you remember, it was, it was quite deep and very noticeable, Yes, but it's not someplace you should fall down. It's a straight line. All you have to do is relax and the bike will go. And that tells me that that particular rider had done something, right? It wasn't the bike's fault. It was something the rider had done or failed to do. And generally that means just letting the bike go its way. So again, it's that fatal fear where the outcome becomes negative because of our actions, because we don't control them. And so, so I got talked down by the other people I was riding with. They helped me get my bike, get off my bike get my bike parked out of traffic. And then it probably took me a good half hour to go from cleaning next to my bike to actually being able to walk up to the wall and look over and look at the lake. Once how, I, how far was it? Uh, probably 50 feet, maybe a hundred feet. So this is a significant distance. Okay. 
And um, so I, I, when I was finally able to, um, I was, I was able to kind of come down off the adrenaline. I was kind of able to calm down, get control of my mind again. Um, but I was twitchy. So like one of my friends laid their gloves on the wall and that freaked me out because I'm like, you're going to lose your gloves. They're going to blow over the edge. You're going to lose your gloves. And then you're going to try to grab your gloves and you're going to fall over the wall trying to get you. And it was totally irrational. <laughs> but I was with everybody's mother up there. I'm like, get away uh-huh. from the wall. It's dangerous. And, and it was, I mean, it wasn't. And after, you know, after being up there about a half hour, I was, I calmed down. I was feeling better. So then we were like, well, let's ride on the way up, all the way up to Rim Village where there's a restaurant and there was all this other stuff. A lot of it was closed, but some of it was open and you could go up and look. So we have, we have to work on this because you and I have a tour together later (laughs) this season. You know, we got about a month and a half, actually. Yeah. About a month and a half to work on this because we're going to be up on ledges. We're not going to be a hundred feet away. Uh, we're going to be much, much, much closer to than that. And we definitely need to have a strategy that you can work on in the next month and a half to, to try to learn how to harness this and to control it. Now, are you, is this a fear you've had before? Was that the, was that just an example or is this a recurring fear for you? Is this a consistent thing? Um, fear of, of sharp drop heights is a consistent thing. Um, my first real experience with it was I was backpacking and I just had to cross this short ridge line that just had drops on both sides. It was plenty wide. I crawled across it. Um, right. I couldn't walk across it, but I was able to finally crawl across it. And when I got to the other side, I was way better. And then I was like, okay, this is not too bad. And that was the interesting thing heading up to Rim Village. As you come out of the lot we were in, you you start going up the hill and then there's a sharp left around a rock face so you can't see where the curve goes and it's a it's a just if you keep going straight it's like you're just gonna do bugs bunny off the edge of the cliff right okay and so i was i was sat in the parking lot for a good little bit just staring at that and i finally told everyone i'm like i'm gonna go first and i'm just gonna get through this and i did I probably looked like I was in my first MSF course duck paddling in the parking lot, but I didn't duck paddle it, but that's what it felt like. Okay. But I got, I got so, up and around it. And then we got to Rimbilly. Now, did you have, not, not to try to sound like a counselor or something, because sure, I'm sure. not, no. but have you, did you have any incidents when you were younger or in your youth? Have you ever fallen off of anything that you can recall? Or was this just something, it, did it develop slowly? Has it always been there? Did it have a... An initial incident. And the reason I ask this is because fear comes from what what I always consider a uncertainty or a lack of a lack of control or a sense of a lack of control, and that's often um, ignorance. It can be genetics. You know, when we think about our fear thresholds. Some of us are more cautious than others. But the other thing that really leads into this sense of lack of control or this uncertainty is experience or experiences, and that's where I'm trying to decide because this isn't really you cognitively, you know, this is an unreasonable fear. So this isn't ignorance. You know, that's not the problem. You're not, you know, you're not, education isn't going to fix this because it's, it's already beyond that. Fear, fear threshold could be genetics. And that's something that's harder to work around, but experience may be something we, we try to target. Did you have something that was a, a a key point that started this? I kind of, I think, um, I have been in therapy in my life and because I do have this 
fear of heights and I, in the past for other things, had to overcome certain scenarios to be able to move forward with what I wanted to do. Um, I had three older brothers and they were much older than me. My near closest one was five years older. My oldest one was 17 years older than me. And um, I was their favorite torment. Um, they, okay. they liked to play tricks and games on me that were continuous violations of trust. And they weren't. And that that makes sense. Yeah. That's reasonable. And they weren't trying. Okay. To, they weren't trying to be cruel or anything. But they were being boys, and so I was constantly being scared, frightened as a, as a, as a small child. And it would be things like they pick me up by my ankles and hang me upside down, or swing me around, or push me too high on the swings. Those kinds of things. Okay. And so, well, that, that so, yeah. so that helps narrow things down. And and like I said, you know, those that are listening. You know, there's going to be some that are going to be point on with you. They're going to go, absolutely, I can really, and I also have a, a fear of heights. Uh, I can recall when I was young, I was walking down a, a set of those steel steps where you can see through, and I had tripped and fallen and tumbled down them. Ouch. And I was very young at the time. And after that, I had a an elevated sense of fear of heights, and I have that to this day. And I've had to work like you. I've had to cognitively work through that and manage it. And there's, I'll do all, I'll do the high ropes activities. There's a lot of things I'll do that are height related. And I do them specifically because they do generate fear, but that's a, that's another discussion. It's a matter of, of harnessing and using it in a positive way. At this point, we're not there. We just want to go, how do we make sure that we can stay in cognitive control? We're not trying to harness it into a positive yet. Not at this stage, not for you. We just want to go, how can I function with it present? How do I become comfortable with this? Right. And I think that's the direction that we need to work. Okay. Yeah. I, what I'm, I, what my objective is, is to not become debilitated by it. Um, and like I said, this was last summer. Um, it was a different bike. Sorry, the dogs are trying to stop. The, uh, this was a different bike last summer. Uh, I also wasn't super comfortable on the bike I was on. It's not the only factor but it does play into it. I believe my new bike, my new bike is more comfortable and I trust it more if that makes more sense. So, but the issue isn't the bike. No, it's not. And we know that, right? right? It's not the bike. It's not the tires. It's, it's not your instructor. It's not your partner. It's not your riding gear. We know that this is outside of that. You are clearly and cognitively aware. Yes that you are dealing with unreasonable fear and a fatal fear, one that will leave you debilitated. The question is, what have you done to this point to try to manage that? What have you done so far? Have you done anything to to try to work through this? Um, I have done things like um, tried to take rides that take me on roads that have drop-offs, um, and, but that I can turn around if I need to, if I get to a point where I can't, can't keep going, or if I feel like I'm okay. going to shut down. Um, so I, I try to give myself an out an escape route. The other thing that I've found that can help is, is if I have a really good idea of what's coming, I can kind of pet talk myself into breathing through it. Um, so I do use breathing exercises and, and just talking to myself. And then I also use visualization. Um, 
Now, sometimes that visualization backfires because I visualize myself flying off the cliff, and that's not helpful. Um, so then I have to... Not, not the visualization we need. No. So then I'm like, okay, yeah. I need to reset this. And no, I, you know, I, I know I can go around that curve. I know I can walk that trail. And, um, and in trying to do it in different things, walking. Um, when, I, when we lived in Alaska, I took up snowboarding, which was huge for me because okay. that's steep and a slope and you're on a slippery board with no control. So <laughs> I, I took up snowboarding for the exact same reason. I took it up to, to remain controlled and cognitive in a state of fear. That, that's exactly why I took it up. So that's, I'm impressed. Yeah. And so it, it helped um, and it has helped with things. Um, but realizing that I want to do this tour in August, I know that I need to go out one, to continue to work on my fear, and then two, to make sure that I'm not putting myself and everyone else on the tour in a position of, uh-oh, now what do we do? Because I don't want to be that person. Right, of course. And one of the, okay. things, and one of the other things was during um, our training class, when we did the adventure camp, it, one of the things that kind of brought this fear back to the front for me was we were doing a series of exercises, and there was a point where everybody kind of broke off and we were in a big field lots of room it was very safe but everybody was going their own direction up to that point we'd been playing more follow the leader and doing a series of exercises and it got chaotic and i had a moment in that field where i'm like i know i can completely do this exercise but in this moment i can't make myself dive into the pile and so I just sat and watched everybody do it. And then when people kind of put it away, then I could do a couple and then I was good. But that was another element of it. It's that uncontrolled chaos in a... That, that, was, that was a threshold for you. Yeah. Now, do you know what the actual purpose of that activity was that we did, that drill? Um, it was the to drop our rear wheels into a divot or a ditch. And then it was clutch control and throttle control to okay. get up out of it without spinning the tire. With, okay. with control of so that was a, that was okay so that was and it, we have one that's a cluster drill and i was thinking that might have been the one but that you're referring to a different drill but we have one of the drills we do as a cluster drill and the whole point is to take your mind away from the the mechanical skills we've been focusing on you know the clutch the balance the mounting and start having to track what's going on around you it, to to have a plan, to see where the other riders are coming from, to increase your vision so you're not so central focused. Right. And that's what those are about is to, to do that. Now, for you, one of the things that I'm hearing is you like that order. Again, it's, a, it's a, almost like it's a trust issue yeah. that this comes from. And when everybody's moving in all different directions and you have no control of them, and if you also lack trust from them, and of course, you knew the people, so you trusted them enough. But uh, you know, cognitively, you know, right. you could rationally go, "I trust them," but in reality, the answer is no, you did not, right. because you're supposed to trust your brothers as well. Exactly. And they also proved that that's that wasn't valid. And that's, I think, where that's coming away from is you know, it's definitely this trust. And there's a couple of things that come to mind that I would say, I, and you may have tried some of these things. Some of the advice I have here that may or may not work for you, and I, it's just I'm going to give it to you, and we'll see what happens. And I'm looking forward to hear back from you, and I know I'm going to be hearing from you before the tour because I, I want to. But 
one of those is, uh, you know, the focus drill and, or a focus activity, which is different than what I normally teach, which is the chaos drill where everybody, let's stop thinking about the mechanics and let's start tracking everything around us. So we're not focused on those skills, which generally makes people better riders. It makes them smoother because they're not being so mechanical. It makes it fun. It makes it real. And they enjoy that for you. That doesn't work. One of the things that happens when we get to this, this point of lack of control, and I, I've done the same thing where I've sat on on the edge and I'll sit there until I'm just so tense that I have to back off because I, I, I'm going to forget to breathe. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? It's like, okay, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop breathing, pass out and fall over this cliff and die. And <laughs> yeah. I don't want to do that. Exactly. And I'm thinking you're going, yeah, I've done that. Yep. Yeah, of course, that's reasonable. Yep. <laughs> and so I have to back off until I can relax and then I need to move into it. When we start testing our fear boundaries, I, one of the objectives that I work towards for all riders, whether it's the issue you have or it's a, a, a normal, reasonable, or a fear that comes from a lack of understanding or a lack of faith in the, the technology of the bikes, is that it's okay to be in a state of fear. And, and I think people need to become comfortable with fear being present. I don't think our goal is to eliminate your fears. Our goal is to learn how to manage them and how to keep keep them in check, keep them in balance. And the focus, what I end up doing, I went up to Alaska, I've been up there several times, and heading out to the Kennecott Mines, and anybody that's going up to Alaska, you're going to go visit the Kennecott Mine because it's off of one of the only paved routes up there. And it's just barely north of Valdez. If anybody's interested, it's a really cool place. But there, you know, they have a high steel bridge you go across. And the high steel bridge is about a lane and a half, maybe a narrow two lane. And it's a very high bridge and it's long. And if you park underneath the bridge, you can crawl up onto the walk underneath. And it's an open cage walk with handrails. Single width. And as you walk across, you'll have to, when you hit the center, it'll, it'll split and divide. You'll walk around and you can go all the way to the far end. So you can walk all the way across this high scale bridge on this open steel grate, you know, that, that drops down. And every time I go there, I walk this bridge. Well, I shuffle the bridge or whatever it is. <laughs> I, I make it to the other side. I crawl up and my focus is to, to, to make my steps look normal to try to walk so that if somebody was observing me, it would not be obvious that I might be peeing myself at that point in time. And every time I get across, and I'm always so proud of myself, I get to the other side, and I'm like, oh my God, that's so awesome. I made it across. And I, I know that I can jump down off that and crawl up and walk across the upper bridge. And every single time I end up talking to myself out loud and you know, belittling myself for being such a puss. And I have to turn around and go back across the, the same way. Now, I only do it once each time I go up. <laughs> you know, once is enough. <laughs> but that's not something I could have done before. It's something I've worked towards. And you did the snowboarding. And that was one, if that brought fear to you, and it did to me, you know, jumping over a cliff covered in ice with a board strapped to my feet just didn't seem reasonable. Yep. <laughs> and when I tensed up, I had instant feedback. But I think what you need to do or what I'm going to suggest, and and you may already be doing this, is find things that generate that same level of fear, that that fear that causes you to just completely seize up, but that you're totally safe. Right. Because motorcycling isn't the answer. Right. (laughs) Right. If we ride up to a cliff on a motorcycle, 
there is a real, you know, that's a real concern. If you fall off the cliff, that's a big deal. Uh, one of the ways to do that is the ropes courses. I know you're in, uh, you know, in a, the same county that I'm in. Yeah. And when we head south, there's a ropes course out there at the at the zoo. Oh, they have a high ropes course. Yeah, you're right. They have a low ropes, mm -hmm. and they have a high ropes course. And I would start on the low ropes. Okay. And go to that because it does have that fear, and you have the time, you have a harness, and it's it. What happens is it's a reasonable fear becomes an unreasonable fear. A reasonable fear is if I fall off the rope, I'm going to die. But when you have the harness and you're strapped into a steel cable on top, it becomes an unreasonable fear, but it exists. And that's what we want. Now, when it comes a fatal fear is when they come out and they lower you off the ropes. And that's okay, right? If they do that, that's okay. As long as you get back on the rope, as long as you're willing to do it again, as long as you're willing to try again. And you have to keep in mind that when you end up in one of those situations, if you end up on that ropes course or something similar where it's a safe environment and they do have to come take you off, that's not a failure, right? That is a, that is a step towards success and a step towards being released from this captive that you have, that this prison that you have that is a fear because it's keeping you from enjoying life, from doing what you want to do. And it's going to cause you problems. You're going to end up in harm's way if you don't have that under control. And, but while you're doing that, it allows you to focus and you can get on the rope. And all you do is you stop seeing the rope. You stop seeing the ground and you just narrow your focus to the other tree. And that's all you see. And that's all you focus on. You don't allow your mind to think about anything else. It's almost like a sense of uh, meditation. And it, you know, meditation, the whole point of meditation is to clear your mind of everything and have no thought. And anybody that's ever tried real meditation understands it's a very, very difficult state to be in. But in this case, what we're doing is we're allowing a point of focus to meditate on. And that meditation is that, that far tree or that far plat platform. And that's all you're focused on. Or it may just be if you're on some of the, the steps that move across, you know, the, those swinging boards or whatever they have, that each it's one at a time. It's not the far side. It's just the one board. Once you make it there, it's the next board. It allows you to keep your focus because as long as you're focused and you have that thought and you have an objective and you have a goal, then you still have control. It's still cognitive for you. Make sense? It does. Totally does. I hadn't yeah, really thought about the ropes course, but that's a really good idea. That's uh, that ought to be something I'll yeah. try. Yeah, there's there's other simple things you can do. You can take lunch and go out to uh, some place where there's a high edge, uh, an overlook, a cliff. It can be point defines if there's cliffs there. It can be wherever you decide to go, and and have lunch and sit down and have lunch. You know, have a snack, have lunch, and move to the edge, not where you're comfortable and not where you're terrified. Right. Just to the edge where you get a little bit of a tingle. And that's where you eat lunch. And the next time you come out, if it's the same spot, then that's fine. Otherwise, you get a little closer. And the idea is you're trying to desensitize yourself one step at a time. Each time you get a little closer, it becomes in the benefit of doing uh, a lunch or a, a place where you sit and bring a book. Yeah. And I'm going to bring a book and read while I'm there is that you want to do it until you really forget 
where you're at and you forget what's going on so that you can move yourself closer to your your challenge, you know, over to closer to the edge. And but they're completely safe environments. What we're doing is training the mind. Right, right. It for me it seems a bit like trying to stretch a muscle that just doesn't know that it needs to be stretched. But or, I know it needs to be stretched, but it, it I don't know how it's like a cramp and trying to get to the point where I can just push it a little bit further and a little bit further until it's not um, not stopping me, not freezing me. And you, and you have to understand that if you if you end up on the edge and you go back and all of a sudden you're not comfortable there anymore, you just need to remember that's not a failure. Right. If you go to the ropes course and you get up onto the platform and you go, I can't do this. Well, anytime you say can't, of course, we know that that's a state of mind right. that you're there. Correct. But if you make the decision not today, that's okay. That's not a failure as long as you're willing to return as long as you're willing to try again. And, and that's the, the challenge with this is it took a long time and it took a, it took a lot of individual experiences and, and breaking of your trust to get you to this state. So it can't be fixed in five minutes. It's a, exactly. it's an exercise. So how long is it going to take to get out of it? Right. As long as it took to get into it and I'm old enough, it's going to take a while. But, but like you said, but I'm not necessarily, I'm not trying to fix it perfectly. I'm trying to make sure that I stay functional so it doesn't debilitate me. Exactly. And I know where and my boundaries are. That's a hundred percent. it. And it's it, like I said, I, I talk about this whole smile because attitude matters. And that's one of the little slogans I came up with because I don't know how to say goodbye very well. So I'll probably say that at the end of this podcast, because I'll forget how to say goodbye. But the point behind that was the there was actual physiological positive physiological effects from when you're smiling. I think you told me that at the camp as well, and I was like, "Yeah, that's right. That's why I say that." But the smile and that attitude really makes a difference. And when you're doing this, if you're grimacing, if you're tense, then it it's not going to help you work through it. You have to remember while you're there. Okay, am I is my body relaxed? Breathe, relax my body, relax my hands. Am I smiling? Is there somebody there that, that can cheer me on or do I need to be by myself right. so I can work through this individually? And, and each of us are different. Yep. Some people want support. Some people don't. I'm a not support guy. Just leave me alone. Yep. <laughs> Let me work my way through it. I kind of have then, that. And then we'll be good. I have that as well. It's like, I'm glad you're there to be supportive. Now be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now go away. Yeah, go away. <laughs> Thank you for the support. I'll let you know when I'm done. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So what's your plan? That's the big question because we're we're kind of right here at the at the end of the of the podcast. And what I want to know is how how are you going to get through this? What's your plan now that we've had a chance to to chat for a little bit? Well, I really I really like the ideas and the points you brought forward because it really does kind of change my mindset around it. I kind of felt of it as a bit of a failing, and now it's just more of a well, this is, it might be kind of a fun challenge. Um, to see if I can change that part of me. Um, so I, you know, I'm definitely going to go try, I'm going to go check out the ropes courses. Um, I think that's a great start. And then I'm going to start looking for high-ish places, even if it's only six feet up or whatever, whatever ends up being my twinge point and just keep playing with it until I figure out how far I can adjust it and 
and just see how much change I can make through experience. And, oh, well, I, I got up 10 feet. That wasn't so bad. I got up, I sat on the edge of this ledge. That wasn't so bad. Um, Perfect. And yeah, I'll, I'll be interesting to, to give you a report back on, on what my progress is. Yeah, and, and don't be afraid to talk to yourself. Yeah. Talk out loud. Yeah. Let yourself, encourage yourself verbally if you're by yourself. Otherwise, people think you're nuts. But nowadays, that's okay. <laughs> uh, even even glass elevators might be something. Yeah. If you just find a glass elevator in a building, and then you can pick what floor you go to. I mean, there's malls. There's all kinds of places that have those. You can sit at the back of the elevator. Yeah. You can work closer to the edge. I know when I go up to hotels that have those glass walls at the end, and you're 14 stories up. Yeah. I, I walk up to those walls now and I stand there and I'll, I'll scan the ground and look around. And there was a time I couldn't do that. And now I'm, I'm, I look quite confident when I do that now. So I'm excited. I, I, I want to see your, uh, your progress and your log. We, we've got the three corner rock that we're going to climb. Yeah. I saw the, come there. I That's saw exciting. the video. That looks cool. It really yeah, did. I'm going to upload the full video so you can see a, a, a full sense of what that's all about. And I'll, I'll give you the link on that. Cool. And in fact, I'll, I'll see if there's a show notes here. I'll have Christina add that to the show notes. So anybody listening to this will be able to see that three corner rock that we're talking about as well. Perfect. Excellent. Well, I think we have a solid plan moving forward. And I've... any of you that are out there listening, I, I hope that some of the advice here. And some of the experiences are things that you can work with and relate. And whether your fear is simply the fear of falling down in sand or gravel, or whether it's heights, which most of us share some degree of fear of heights, whatever it is, I'm hoping that these are some of the ideas that will help you work towards it. And most importantly, if you take nothing else away from today's chat with Carrie, is that don't consider you, you have to keep in mind that when we don't succeed at something, it isn't necessarily a failure. An attitude really, really matters. If you're looking at things in a negative tone, you've already failed. When you walk up and say it's impossible or I can't, that's a problem. Just because you say you won't isn't the same as saying you can't. And if you say, I'm I'm not going to do that today, I won't do that today. That's all right. But when you say, I can't ride through the gravel, I can't walk up to the ledge, that's admitting failure. And that's the point that we have to turn. It's one step at a time. We all work together and together we become better riders. And after all, life is an adventure. And what is an adventure without a few risks here and there? Absolutely. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for coming on the show tonight, Carrie. Um, well, and thanks all for listening to Around the Wheel with uh, Brett Tax. And until next time, remember, smile while you ride because attitude matters.